Hey everyone, this is Wade Langer and I'm the Conference Director of Campus Ministries for the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church. And I'm also the Director of the University of Alabama Wesley Foundation where I serve students at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. My greatest passion and highest calling in life um, over the last few years has been to serve the campuses of North Alabama and uh, to, to work with the next generation of Christians, of leaders, and to invest in them. Today I'm honored to be a part of the Read Together podcast, and I will be reading from 1 Kings 19, where we pick up in the midst of a heated escalation in the narrative of one of the greatest prophets named Elijah. In the preceding chapters, Elijah has done incredible work as a prophet. He has uh, done the work of a prophet by trying to be the king's conscience, to no avail really. Um, He's tried to confront the prophets of Baal to some avail. Um, he, He was able to confront them and promote God to a people that had forgotten who God was. And in 1 Kings 19, he is run down, run out, and uh, at the end of his rope. And that's where we begin today. Um, 1 Kings 19, verse 1 and following. Here's what it says. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he'd killed all of Baal's prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah with this message. May the gods do whatever they want to me if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like the life of one of them. Elijah was terrified. So he got up and he ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. He himself went further on into the desert, about a day's journey. And he finally sat down under a solitary broom bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down and slept under the solitary broom bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, Get up, eat something. And Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. He ate and he drank and then he went back to sleep. And the Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. So Elijah got up, ate, drank and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb, God's mountain. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now we'll stop there for a moment before we continue this story because it tells us some really important things. Elijah is worn down from his work as a prophet. And for many of us in these days, these trying days as we're Coming out, hopefully, of a pandemic as we are kind of exhausted with church strife, especially during the days of the pandemic, particularly, many of us find ourselves to be worn down, run out, run out of energy, and maybe run out of the Holy Spirit. Not that God has ever left us, but we just feel a little bit less connected than we ever have been. Elijah felt that way. Elijah had seen God work in mighty, extraordinary ways throughout his life and his so-called ministry up to that point. He had done the work of a prophet, and many people had noticed and proclaimed him and celebrated him. However, at this point, 
He is longing. I love what the scripture says in its undeniable, authentic reality, realism, when he says, I'm done. It's more than enough. Take my life. Take my life. He's longing for the end. Sometimes when we are worn down and run out and frustrated, it feels as though we just want an end to whatever it is. We want an end to this season of ministry. We want want an end to this relationship. We want an end to whatever it might be. And for Elijah, he's there. He's at the end of his rope. And what comes next is incredibly important, and it's certainly something that I share with my college students all the time. In this moment, Elijah didn't need, you know, a, a ton of prayer and fasting and worship service after worship service. He didn't need a conference. He didn't need a workshop or a tutorial. Instead, God sent a messenger and gave him so exactly what he needed. The very first thing that he needed was a nap. <laughs> that's one thing that I tell my students sometime, sometimes when they come into my office, they're so overwhelmed and they're frustrated with the things of life. I'm like, maybe you should go sleep on it. Sometimes that's the greatest spiritual discipline that we can have. Go rest. Go take a nap. But then this messenger taps him on the shoulder uh, in the midst of his nap and says, get up and eat something. So maybe you're sleepy. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're thirsty. And let's make sure that your body and physiological processes and needs are taken care of. Let's do that, and then let's reassess. So what happens? Elijah goes to sleep. He's woken up. He takes care of his basic needs as a human being, and then he goes back to sleep, which I absolutely love. We don't get a lot of the spiritual discipline of sleeping and eating and drinking. We get a lot of spiritual discipline of fasting and self-denial, but here Elijah needs to avoid the idea of self-denial. You need to take care of yourself, Elijah. Don't neglect yourself, and that is such a message for so many of us. Don't neglect yourself. You're running on fumes. Listen to what the messenger says to him in verse 7. When he returns a second time, he taps him, get up, eat something. Why? Because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Many of us are traveling on difficult roads, roads that are uncertain, roads that demand that we have energy and sustenance for such a journey. And like Elijah, we ought to get up, eat, and drink something. Well, I don't know what sleeping, napping, and being refreshed means for you. Maybe it means taking a vacation that you've put off. Maybe it means taking some time for yourself a little bit once a week. Or maybe having moments of Selah or a break in the day every single day. Just finding those times of refreshment where you can take care of yourself. Maybe it's putting into your life a bit of a time to exercise or work out. Something that's going to refresh you that has nothing to do with the ministry that God's called you to other than taking care of yourself. The minister cannot minister until the minister has been ministered to. And I think that that's one of the hardest things for those of us that follow Jesus. Jesus does remind us that that we ought to take up our cross and follow him. We ought to be willing to sacrifice everything. And yet Jesus is also the one 
who, in the multiplication of the fish and the loaves, there were basketfuls left over, enough for all 12 disciples. Jesus is the one that goes to solitary places to be alone and to pray. He's the one that, in the midst of the storm, is even taking a nap in the back of the boat. Jesus promotes self-denial, but at the same time, he knows that we are human and we must take care of ourselves. He gives us a great example for that. And with Elijah, that is incredibly important. So we continue with the story. Having been refreshed by that food, he goes on for 40 days and 40 nights until he arrives at God's mountain and he goes into a cave and he spends the night. And this is how the the text kind of comes to a climax. It says, there the Lord's word came to him and said, why are you here, Elijah? And Elijah replies very honestly, I've been very passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've murdered your prophets with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they want to take my life too. I love in prayer. Elijah is so honest and forthright with God. Elijah holds nothing back. The Lord responds, I want you to go out and stand at the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is passing by. And at that moment, a very strong wind tore through the mountains and broke apart the stones before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. Now, this is really, really important because Elijah has been among the people, the prophets of Baal, who were pursuing their deity, their God, in ways that show up here on this mountain. Baal appeared. Baal is the god of fertility, the god of abundance. At times, Baal would present himself in these extraordinary ways through fire and wind and the movement of earth through a tempest and all this kind of stuff. The people would look for the divine in natural, supernatural-seeming ways that caused people to to be filled with awe and dazzled by the works of their hands. I think it's important that when Elijah is looking for God, listening for God, that Elijah is not fooled or distracted or dazzled by the ways that everyone wants to see God. Instead, he knows pretty quickly the Lord isn't in those things, at least in this moment. He says, after the fire, however, there was a sound. It was thin It was quiet. Some translations say it's the sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard that, he wrapped up his face in his coat and he went out and stood at the cave's entrance. And a voice came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? And he said again, Honestly, I've been passionate for the Lord God of heavenly forces because the Israelites have abandoned your covenant. They've torn down your altars, and they have murdered your prophets with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they want to take my life too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. And from there, God tells him some specific things that he's going to do. Elijah is going to continue the work of the prophet with some very specific guidelines. What I love about this is that the Lord restores Elijah to the ministry that he just needed a bit of a break from. Go back the way you came. Do the things that you have done. Do the things that you used to do. Do the things that you did before you got worn out. 
You're refreshed now. You've been in the presence of God. You've taken care of those physical needs. Now go back and serve and be the prophet that I've called you to be. David uh, Peterson and uh, other authors have said that prophets do three primary tasks in their roles. The first thing that they do is they serve as the king's conscience and counsel. The second thing is that they legitimize the king's appointment. And the final thing is that they discern and tell the will of God, the will of the divine. This is what Elijah had done so well for so long. And it seems so lofty and so noble and, and, and would that we could do that same sort of things as believers today, that we could legitimize people, whether they are kings or, or others, that we could bring legitimacy and say that this person is loved and chosen by God. Would that we could share the word of God boldly with others, and especially those in, in power, that we could be spiritual advisors and that we could serve as counsel on the conscience of leaders, um, again, as those advisors. We all have, in some ways, that same sort of responsibility. And as lofty as those things are, I think that this particular passage reminds us that though the calling is wonderful, though church work and ministry and, and all of this stuff is lofty and worthwhile, it's exhausting. And at times it feels like we are on the run, worn down, completely run down and run out of town almost. In those moments, we can do well to learn from Elijah. To get up, to eat something, to drink, to nap. And to listen for the still, small silence of God's presence. To listen for that voice that offers that comfort of encouragement, that says you're not alone, you were made for this. Go back and do what you used to do. Get back in the saddle, go back the way you came and do the work to which you've been called. I relate a lot to Elijah. I think any minister, any Christian that's been in the game long enough has, uh, can relate to Elijah. There are simply times when we wonder, is it worth it? Is this really worth all of this difficulty, this hardship, especially coming out of the last few years, right? We wonder. And yet, when we think on it, when we allow ourselves to rest, what I've found is that that calling comes surging back maybe stronger than it ever did, so that I can go back the way that I came and continue to do what God has always called me to do. That's my prayer for us today, that whoever you are, whoever you are listening to this, wherever you are, whatever state of life, and that you would hang in there, that you would do what you need to do to rest, to replenish, and to listen for God so that you might continue to be mightily used by God. Let's pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the shared ministry to which you have called us. Whatever our ministry and whatever our lives hold this day, we pray that you would give us food for the difficult road ahead, that you would give us rest, that you would sustain us by your spirit, that you would give us companions, and that you would give us food and drink for the journey. Today, we pray for encouragement. Help us to keep going and yet 
Help us to rest as we need. God, we thank you because you are the guide, you are the shepherd, you are the minister to your servants. You are the minister to your ministers. You are the pastor to your pastors. You are the leader to your leaders. So send us forth knowing that you are with us, that you sustain us, you don't leave us. Give us strength as we go back to the work that you've called us to. In your name, Jesus, amen.